The scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 through 19. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Sorry about that. Again, thank you for the reading from Hebrews, Chad. It was another day in Jesus' life like so many other days. It didn't matter whether Jesus was in a small town or Jesus was in a large town or whether Jesus was out sort of on the outskirts of town or maybe even way out where there weren't any towns around. It seemed that everywhere he went, at least for a particular part of his ministry, crowds were all around him. People had heard about him. People were excited about what he represented. People had a hope that maybe they had never had, at least the people in that lifetime had never had, that Jesus represented something great and wonderful. But in the midst of the crowd on this particular day, an unnoticed, solitary woman who was driven by that same hope, but it was much more personal for her, steadily, steadily made her way closer and closer and closer until what she was hoping was unnoticed by the crowd until she could quite literally reach out and touch. Not touch him necessarily, not, not, not so so uh, driven that she felt like she could even deserve to touch his person, but just to touch the hem of his garment. And that solitary, unnoticed woman suddenly knew that everything in her life, everything that had driven her life for decades, was changed. But she wasn't going to be unnoticed anymore. She wasn't going to be anonymous in the crowd anymore because Jesus stops and he says, Who touched me? In reality, she knew exactly who she touched, but he had to ask in the crowd and he wanted her to identify herself. In reality, as with us 2,000 years later, he wanted to point her out. Some was so, hope was so great that she wouldn't stop till she got to Jesus. She wouldn't stop till she got to Jesus. Who touched me, he said. And then these beautiful words, words that maybe each one of us want to hear. Your faith 
has healed you. Now, make no mistake, this wasn't her working so hard at being faithful. This was her faith in Jesus. And again, remember that this is not a faith that, that had to see him face to face and have him grab a hold of her. This was a faith in Jesus which was so great that she thought, if I can just, just touch the edge, your faith has healed you. And then, and then words that should ring in our ears, words of hope for us, go in peace. Whatever you came to me with has been left behind. Whatever concerns, whatever, whatever faults, whatever brokenness you had before you came to me, trusting in me has taken those away. And as you, as you walk away from this point, and again, not walking away from a sense of Jesus, because she'll never, she would never have forgotten that moment when she touched the hem of God. Jesus was with her all the rest of her days. Until that day that she died and opened her eyes again in the, the rest that the Lord offers. But for the rest of her life, Jesus said, go about your life in peace. I've got you. There's something extremely powerful about the gospel in what she experiences. Broken person longing to get to Jesus, desperately needing to get to Jesus. And isn't that where so many of us kind of fall apart in the process? We, we get let other things kind of get in the way. She could have let the crowd got in the way. She could have let her own condition get in the way. There's nothing God can do for me. I'm too bad. But she didn't let anything get in her way to touch Jesus, to reach out and touch him. And then, isn't this, isn't this the way the gospel works, the good news of Jesus? It's not that we just encounter him. She didn't just get up and walk away. Woo, wonderful. He turned around and said, you, you. I know you and your faith in me. Your faith has healed you. And now, now I want you to go in peace. Now, I want to be sure and say, my guess, although the text doesn't say it, my guess is that this person didn't go in peace in the sense of always sitting quietly in the corner and never telling anybody about anything. My guess is she went in peace, filled up with her brokenness being gone, a peace that she couldn't help but tell Everybody that you ran into, I just touched the hem of his garment, and it changed everything. You know how I know she told the story? is because 2,000 later, years later, we're reading all the details of her story. Not just this little interaction with Jesus that everybody saw, but we're reading the details behind that story. You don't know how bad it was. You don't know where I'd been. You don't know how troubled I was. You didn't know how broken I was, and yet Jesus changed it for me. You see, Jesus didn't just preach the gospel. Jesus was the gospel. Can I get an amen? Jesus was the gospel, and he is the gospel today, and he will be until, until the gospel comes to its fulfillment. When he comes back again, he will always be the gospel. His gospel always, always did, does, and will bring hope into despair. It may well be that the gospel kind of centers on that idea that before the resurrection there was despair at death and sin and now after the resurrection despair has been turned into hope. And in every life that actually encounters Jesus that even if it's just the hem of the garment every life that encounters Jesus is moved from despair and brokenness to wholeness and hope.
He didn't just preach it. He was it. But, of course, what we know when we read the Gospels is that oftentimes his living the Gospel turned into teaching it. And in many ways, we could turn to any page in the gospel, in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and we would hear Jesus speaking the gospel. I've picked two, and I would encourage you to follow along in your Bibles. Luke chapter 4 reads in this way, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Hear this. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus rolls up the scroll and he continues in this way. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, in this moment, in this place, and, and be sure you hear it, in me, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. God's Spirit is on me, and He has called me, He has set me aside, He has that beautiful biblical word, anointed me, chosen me, lifted me up to preach good news. Do you hear it? Good news to the poor. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get frustrated with trying to tell someone about Jesus. Sometimes I get frustrated with trying to share the good news. I do my best to, to live in a way that reflects that, but eventually, just like Jesus, living and being the gospel always turns into telling about the gospel. But so many times we, what we run into is people who don't see themselves as poor. They don't see themselves as needing. And the brokenness that all of us are aware of in our own life, that maybe you are aware of in your life, and because I know I'm aware of in mine, we, we work very hard to put lots of layers of things on top of that brokenness and hurt. We, we, we can go buy something and maybe our brokenness doesn't show up so much. We can dress up and clean up and maybe our brokenness doesn't show up quite so much. We can go and hang around friends, maybe. Maybe sometimes we have to do things to get friends to hang around us, but we, we go and become part of that crowd, and we, and we think, well, see, there's another layer over the brokenness, but in reality, for the good news to make a penetration, we kind of have to be like that woman, don't we? That we know how broken we are, and we know how much we need Jesus. And Jesus says... I've come to do it, to proclaim it to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, proclaim redemption for those who, who can't find any redemption, to find and to bring a, a sense of, of power and a, a sense of person, a sense of significance to all the people who think, I'm just nothing more than the wallpaper. Nobody ever notices me. That's the way that woman felt. She might have felt, yes, everybody notices me, but they only notice me to keep away from me. But she was able, unnoticed, to slip up on Jesus. But Jesus wasn't going to let her walk away unnoticed. I promised to proclaim good news to the poor. Again, Jesus is the gospel 
Jesus lived it, but that living always turned into speaking. Nobody recorded what Jesus had to teach more than Matthew did. And so his gospel points us to a way of living. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5 and what he says that Jesus said about what it is to live as a person proclaiming the gospel. What it is to live as people who have been moved from despair to hope. Unfortunately, at least if you read it with 21st century, and we'll just be very confessional here, 21st century American eyes, this doesn't sound like a success story. And yet Jesus says, this is the success, this is the happiness, this is the blessedness that a life that has come in contact with my gospel, not the world's gospel, of power and influence and wealth, but instead the, the life that it sees Jesus. So when you're right, before we begin, not only are these words words that describe what we want to live into, but they perfectly des describe who Jesus is. Matthew chapter 5. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them saying, Maybe you want to say them along with me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, your translation might say gentle, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now let's just stop there just for a minute and think about what we see on the news and what so often becomes the banter that maybe you see on Facebook. Sometimes it can even become the banter that we use between each other. It isn't peacemaker ban peacemaking banter, is it? It's confrontational banner. It's I know better banner banter. It's I don't want to conform to that banter. Blessed, blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus said. And who was a greater peacemaker than Jesus? Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called sons of God. I want to be sure. Jesus never intended for you gals to be left out. For they will be called children of God. And finally, blessed are you who are persecuted. Persecuted because of righteousness. And again, just like the poor at the beginning. For theirs... Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are poor. That's what Our Lady that we first started talking about must represent above all others. There was nothing, maybe a leper, but in reality she kind of wrapped all of those things up and even more. She was broken beyond description 
She was in despair beyond description. And again, think about this. Unlike so many others, by the way, not just men in Jesus' life, in his ministry, his time on earth, but, but so many women would come right up to him and speak to him. He was not someone that, that pushed people away and intimidated him. Even children felt at home in Jesus' presence. But this woman didn't. She saw herself as lacking compared to God, as unable to do for herself at all. Now hear those words. She was unable to do for herself. Her money didn't make any difference if you read the story in detail. It hadn't solved her problems. She knew that there was one thing and one thing alone. And you know what? I'll be real honest. I'm not sure that she knew. I'm not sure that she knew that Jesus was enough. Maybe if she knew that Jesus was enough, she'd have walked right up to him and said, Jesus, I am broken and I need your wholeness. I need your healing. But she didn't. She slipped up. She came in stealthily. She didn't want to be noticed at all. She touched and received what she looked for, and still didn't want to be noticed, so she tried to slip away. It was only because Jesus stopped, and it took a minute to find her. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I don't know how you approach your living for the gospel, but it has to start with the sense of, it's not about me. It's not about me looking good. It's not about me sounding good. And, and let's be sure and say, if I was to be confessional, I think one of the, my greatest failings in talking about the gospel to other people is that in that process, I want to look like the great proclaimer as opposed to the one who needed Jesus so desperately, who Jesus said, your faith in me has healed you. I want to know what it is to be the poor, and again, Matthew says, the poor in spirit, just like Jesus. Living gospelly. Living gospelly is, first of all, going to call us to take seriously Jesus' call to follow him. This comes in many forms and in many ways, and it is the essential element of our, our walking with Christ has to be time spent in the Gospels. Time spent seeing Jesus interacting with people. Time spent hearing Jesus' words. And this is, this is really key. Hearing Jesus' words, not as fodder for me to teach somebody else, but hearing Jesus' words as words that are intended to change me. Taking his call to follow him seriously. The one who, who invited children to come near. The one who would not just come into the vicinity of lepers, but would reach out and touch them. The one who said, we got to stop, because i got to find somebody who needed me that much. The one who hung on the cross 
having been beaten, having been insulted, having had lies told about him, the one who hung on the cross and with what scarce breath he had left had to say, Father, forgive them. Forgive them because they were confused. Forgive them because of this. Forgive them because of that. Because their sin's not that great. No, 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 no. Forgive them. Because everything they've done is wrong. But they don't know. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them no matter what. Secondly, if we're going to be people who are living gospelly, and I realize this is a little complicated, so let's work through it. Letting even our smallest step along our path of transformation be a testimony to the hope of the gospel. You and I live lives, and, and we want to kind of be able to see, wow, God, look what you're doing. And, and we do every once in a while see a wow moment, but most of our life are small steps. And if we are allowing the Spirit to fill us, and if we are allowing God to show us Jesus, and we want to follow in His steps, those steps, most of the time, are going to be tiny little steps. But we let those, each little step, be a testimony to the hope of the gospel. God, Today, I didn't honk the horn at the guy who cut in front of me. Hallelujah, God, what a wonderful thing. A mom or a dad stuck at home with kids for the last five weeks now says, God, I didn't yell at the kids today. One day I didn't yell at the kids and you say, hallelujah, Jesus is changing me. But it may also be that small step of finding in it your heart to forgive someone who has offended you, has hurt you, to forgive them, even if they don't act like they want to be forgiven, even if they act like they don't care what they've done to you, to say, I want to forgive them. That's a testimony. A testimony to the hope of the gospel. Finally, going all the way back to Hebrews 6, where we started with the reading today. We are called to a diligence. A diligence that doesn't end because we've touched the hem of his garment and things have changed. That doesn't end because he said you're healed. Doesn't end because he says go in peace. But we'll persevere to the very end. Give it, living gospelly will mean I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. Nor am I going to be satisfied with being exactly where I am. I want to be more of what God wants me to be, but I'm never going to quit. Other translations don't use diligence. They'll use things like faithfulness. I want my faithfulness to look like God's faithfulness who won't quit on me. I'm going to go until the finish. That's when the gospel's transformed us. It's not the thing that we have for a little while, while our life has this unique significance, while we're raising kids or, or while we're launching them off to college, while we're, before we're retired. Because when I'm retired, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and take it easy. I want the last day of my life to have an opportunity to bless somebody else. I want to be diligent 
successful. And we persevere. We persevere because the hope that he has set before us is so great. Hear that phrase from Hebrews 6? The hope set before us. I hope you've got your Lord's Supper elements prepared. If you haven't, I want you to get up and get them. Be ready. He sets the body and the blood before us. He set it before the disciples and he said, partake. And that invitation was for them, but it's also for us. But he wants us to see in that invitation what's set before us is not just bread, not just the cup. What's set before us is the hope that we find in Jesus. I know I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. Dear Father, we thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus paid for us all. Be with us now as we take of this fruit of the vine in remembrance of his blood as it was spilled on the cross in remission for our sins. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Take me new, Lord Jesus, take me new, for it seems that in so many ways I'm not enough like you. Take this weary vessel I have been and hold me once again. Take my life, take my spirit, make me Good morning. I've been asked to lead a special word of prayer regarding our Sunshine School ministry. As many of you know, the school is uh, closed because of the coronavirus, but we were going to close at the end of the semester anyway to uh, revisit and revamp and uh, see what we can do differently and perhaps better for the school and for this community. Unfortunately, with coronavirus being what it is, school did close down early, and so students have not been able to return from uh, spring break. Parents are learning to teach at home, and many students uh, are learning to uh, prepare for kindergarten from home as well. It's been a joy to be able to be a part of Sunshine School and what it is to the community and what it has been to the many, many people in our congregation. Over the last three or so decades, we've been able to bless so many people in this community. And perhaps you're one of them who have been blessed by this ministry as well. We're going to say a word of prayer for our staff and for our families and our students, but also for the future of the school and what it what it's going to hold uh, at this point we don't even know it's all up to the lord and we're going to put ourselves in his hands to guide us and direct us and put us where we need to be for this community and for this uh, this outreach will you pray with me our father god we want to thank you for this day for this time that we've been able to spend in worship and singing praises to you we thank you for the lesson that has been prepared and given to us father it's our prayer that you bless the students for sunshine school we thank you for the joy and the the 
the celebrations that we get to have with them. And Lord, we lift up each of the students and we lift up their families. And God, we just ask that you bless their families at this time. Lord God, we lift up our teachers and all the staff for Sunshine School. We lift up Miss Lauren as she's uh, ending her term with Sunshine Store as the director. We lift up Miss Brown, Miss Margaret, Miss Cindy, Miss Debbie, and Miss Barb. Father, we lift them up to you, and we just ask, Father, that you bless each member of staff. We ask that you bless them in a way that is special and unique to you. And Father, I just ask that you uh, give them direction in what the future may hold for them at this time. Father, we pray for the Sunshine School itself, for its future, and Father, we just ask that you you be with those who are planning its future for the board, for uh, the elders over the school. And Lord, we just ask that you give us guidance and give us an understanding of what you want us to be able to do in this community. Father, it's been a joy to be a part of such a special blessing in this community. Father, it's just a joy to get to see these children and their the love that they want to pour out, the learning that they want to uh, grow into, and for the relationships built. Lord, we love you and we just thank you so much for letting us be able to have this school a part of our church, as part of our ministry, but a part of our community as well. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 6 says, we have run from everything else. We've run from everything else to take hold of the hope offered to us in God's promise. There's some interesting wording there, and, and we don't understand the need to, for God to promise something and then to intensify that promise by taking an oath. That's not part of our language. But the writer wants to say that what God has promised, what God offers through Jesus Christ, is absolutely sure and certain. If you're a part of the circle of our church family, I, I want to encourage you. If you are feeling the need to, to run from everything else and head to God, find someone's number and call them today. Don't, don't stop until you call them today and say, I need you to help me in that effort to run to God's great hope. If you're outside of that circle today, uh, there's contact information at ljchurch.org. And if you are ready to run from everything else and to take hold of the hope that you can have through Jesus Christ, who is God's promise, then, then reach out to us in one of those contact uh, methods so that we can help you in your desire to run to Jesus, to touch Jesus, to hear him say, your faith has healed you, go in peace. Let's sing together wherever you are.